is great to be here. Uh, it's great to be with Joel and Courtney. Uh, it's great to be with Brian and Joali. Uh, thank you so much, Rich and Hannah, for, for all your work and putting the conference together here. Great to be with Vic and uh, Sonia. Uh, great to be with uh, um, uh, the, the, the Caesar and, and Debbie Lamone in Portland. Uh, it's just great to be here with all of you guys. So we feel very honored to, to be able to speak and to share just from our marriage and our life. Uh, we, do, we do lead the Toronto Church. Which means that we're, we're going to live half or twice as long as you guys. <laughs> because half the year we're cryogenically frozen. So <laughs> we've got a lot of life to look forward to. And so it's very important that we get our marriage figured out and do it the right way. Uh, in all seriousness, we've been married since 2005. Um, 13 years. We got married in Hawaii. We got married in the kingdom. Uh, dated purely, which was purely the Lord. <laughs> and uh, we've been to ministry now for 11 of those years. Uh, it's been very exciting, as Joel shared. We've been able to lead ministries in, in Hawaii and in uh, L.A., uh, also in, now in, in Toronto as well. So uh, very exciting. And then we have two kids. Uh, Chase is six years old and Blake is four years old. Nice. And both of them have extremely different personalities. Yeah. And so that's also exciting to uh, be able to figure out together. And uh, we have a lot of fun together. So amen. Um, I'd like to just start off by having all those, uh, I know we kind of did this a little bit earlier, but everybody who's been married over 30 years, stand up. If you've been married for over 30 years. Wow. wow. You can tell Vixen has been married the longest because he went straight to the front row right here at the, the workshop. So stay standing if you've been married 30 years. Stay standing. I know it's tiring. You can do it. If you've been married for over 25 years, stand up. Okay, If you've been married for over 20 years, stand up. Uh, okay, nobody. We got a little gap right here. How about 15 years? If you've been married for over 15 years. All right, more. There we go. I got my Hawaii brother and sister in the back right there. What if you've been married over 10 years? Go ahead and stand up. Okay. So we got, we got a lot of rookies in the room right here. A lot of rookies. You just joined the team. You have no idea what you just got into. If you've been married over five years, go ahead and stand up. Okay. How about over one year? Okay, there we go, we got over one year. If you're a newlywed, I don't even know why you're here. You're not supposed to retreat until you've actually been in the war. If you've been married within the last year, go ahead and stand up. While you're standing up, I want to ask you a couple questions. If this applies to you, then just go ahead and sit down. Men, sit down if you would like to have more sex in your relationship, in marriage. Sit down. Let's be real, guys. I mean, we've got a couple of brothers that are hesitating. They're looking at their wives, just trying to make sure it's okay. That's why we're here, guys. Just sit down. Okay, all right. Our last couple of brothers stopped holding out. They got open. They're now sitting down. 
Women, sit down if you, you'd like your husband to spend more time and to be more romantic. Oh, okay. Sonia's still standing up. I don't know if that's out of fear or uh, out of... Okay. All right, brothers, sit down if you'd like your wife to be more motivated. Okay. Sisters, sit down if you'd like your husband to be more involved with the family. Oh, okay. All right, the rest of you guys, you guys just go home, have a good time. Thanks for coming. Go ahead and sit down as well. I want to ask you, what if you could get everything that you've ever wanted in your marriage, but it would come at the expense of your spouse's salvation? Would that be worth it for you? The title of our lesson today is The Purpose of Marriage, The Blueprint. And I put before you that the purpose of marriage is not for you to be happy, but it's for you to become holy. I'm going to let my wife share a little bit. Well, hello. I'm Kelly Bartholomew. Thank you for letting me share. Um, I really, 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 really love being married. I really enjoy my relationship with Evan. But it wasn't always that way. Um, and so I, I remember one time uh, just kind of uh, we were in a place where we wanted what we wanted from each other. Instead of looking at marriage to make us holy, we were looking at marriage to make us happy. And so we were fighting. And uh, we have this D time where our good friends, Robbie and Linda, we call them the love gurus. And, um, and they sit us down and we tell them our woes. They're like, Kelly, how are you doing? Evan is so mean. He's so selfish. He wants everything for himself, and he doesn't consider me. Evan, how are you doing? She just nags me, and she just doesn't be quiet, and I just hate it. Can you just make her stop? And, uh, and Robbie looks at us, and he goes, Evan, do you love your wife? And he's like, yes. <laughs> Kelly, do you love your husband? I was like, oh, yes. And, uh, and so Robbie says, then what's the problem? What's the problem? And, um, and it's so true that our problems occur when we start loving ourselves instead of loving our spouse. And um, I think of 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where it says that love never fails. Love never fails. And so if a marriage is failing, the cool news is that we already know what the problem is. Yeah. Um, and so as wives, and speaking to the wives, wives, if we're going to love our husbands, we've got to remember that love is not a feeling. If you go through the description of 1 Corinthians 13, it's patient, it's kind, um, it doesn't delight in its own way, it's not easily angered. Those are all choices that we have to make. It's a choice to love. And so um, I love this quote, Evan loves this quote too, uh, that if you fail to love, you fail at everything. If you never fail to love, you never fail at anything. And so, as women, we need to choose to love our husbands. Yeah. Anyway, well, we want to share uh, four different principles that I think will help our marriages. All right. Come on, first, bro. the first principle, and perhaps most important, is happiness comes from God, yeah. not from your spouse. <clears throat> happiness comes from God. If you could turn with me to Genesis chapter fifteen. Come on, come on, come on bro. Genesis chapter fifteen. Let's go, Evan. You guys excited to get? Come on. Have some fun here. Yeah. yeah. Come on, bro. 
Genesis 15, verse 1, the purpose of marriage. Bible says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? You know, right here, it's interesting. God shows up to Abram, and he starts off being very, very encouraging. He goes, Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your protection. I can take care of you. And I'm your great reward. There's nothing else that you need in life. And yet Abraham's response is equally as interesting. He just goes, well, okay, but, but what can you do for me if I have no kid? <laughs> he totally missed what God was saying. You know, it's funny for me, um, I've got my two boys, and one of the things we do in our family to uh, make sure that I get a chance to spend time with my two boys is we have what we call Daddy Donut Day, <laughs> where, you know, donuts are nice and cheap. And uh, it allows me to go, I, and they get to have sugar, and the trade-off is that I get to spend time with my two kids. Yeah. And so we'll go out, we'll have a couple of donuts, and uh, they'll eat most of them, but I'll eat one or two. And we'll sit there, and we'll just talk, and, and I'll ask them questions. And of course, they're, they're way more interested in the donuts than they are in daddy. <laughs> but we have our, our daddy donut days. And it was funny, because we picked them up one day from our friends watching them. And uh, our friends gave them a box of Timbits, uh, which is from Tim Hortons. They're like little donut holes that come from Tim Hortons. <laughs> yeah. And so we're driving home, and my younger son goes, hey, Dad, when are we going to do Daddy Donut Day again? I go, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I've got to check my schedule and figure out when we can do it. And my older son looks at him and says, Blake, we don't need Daddy Donut Day. We have donuts right here. <laughs> oh. I mean, it hurt my heart because Daddy Donut Day was all about me spending time with my sons. And yet they cared more about the donuts than they did with me. And yet so often I think that's how we are with God in our marriage. That, that God is the response. He's the one that actually gave us our wives. And our wives were given to us not for us to find just pure happiness out of them, but really for us to find happiness and gratefulness in our relationship with God. And yet so often... We look at our relationship with God as secondary to our relationships with our spouses. We wow. seek happiness from our spouses rather than happiness from God. Wow, good point, bro. In Proverbs 18.22, the Bible says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. But also in 1 Corinthians 7.7, Paul refers to being single as a gift from God. How do these two scriptures reconcile themselves. The Bible doesn't contradict. How can you be blessed if you're single, but be blessed from God if you're married? Because whether you're single or married makes no difference. It's irrelevant to you being happy. Happiness is from God. If you're not happy before you're married, you're not going to be happy after you're married. It's not your spouse's responsibility to make you happy. Look over in Genesis chapter 3. Come on, bro. Come on. Let's go, bro. You know, we've had the privilege of being able to disciple uh, many different marriages. And I can say that in almost every marriage, we find these principles to be true. In Genesis 3, verse 16, 
This is, of course, after Eve has sinned, Adam has sinned, and God is now giving them the consequences to their sin. And he says to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Your painful labor, you, you, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. All the brothers love this scripture. Amen. God has made my wife desire me because if it weren't for the Lord, there's no way that she would ever desire me. And yet, at the same time, I think that we have to understand that this desire that was put inside of women from God can quickly turn into idolatry of a husband over a worship of God. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 27... Or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 27. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Brothers, men, as men, we were created to be like God. And yet the entire reason why God created mankind is so that he could be worshipped by us. And so, although we don't like to admit it, on the guy's side of things, when our wives idolize us, we like it. We like to be worshipped. We take after God in that sense. You with me? And so it's very, very easy to slip into what I believe is the key sin in any marriage uh, idolatry. Where we put an expectation on our spouses to make us happy rather than getting our happiness from our relationship with God. Wow, good point, bro. In a marriage, the husband can become very quickly embittered and feel like, and nod your head if you've ever felt like this, I, I can never do anything good enough. My wife is never, ever satisfied with what I do. And on the other end, man, my wife just never fulfills me sexually. She never fulfills me. She's just not motivated. We can get very unhappy with each other. Because we're expecting each other to fill a void that is unfillable by them. Yeah. And so it leads to resentment, anger, bitterness, because we haven't gotten our happiness from the Lord. Uh, so for women, we also need to make God our very great reward. And, um, and so I, I, I think of the, the S word, I'm going to say it, submission. And uh, that, that can be a, that's a dirty word in our culture. That might as well be four letters. Yeah. So, um, and, and submission is, is really important, but very, very hard. And, um, and I really, really desired for a long time when we were bumping heads, Evan and I, I wanted Evan to be my suitable helper. I wanted him to help me. I'm like, why can't he do this, this, and this, and this for me? Um, but I forgot what my role was. And so I learned, uh, I had to learn the value of submission and to obey God and his commands to me. And so um, I learned that submission in nature is when you don't agree. When you agree, it's called agreement. <laughs> Deep inside right there. Um, but submission is when you don't agree. And we're supposed to joyfully submit. Okay, honey. If you're closer to the cup, but you want me to get it for you, baby, I'll drag. But the cool thing about submission is that it, you're not commanded to be a doormat, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah. Um, 
But what we're supposed to do is strive to be meek. Remember, the meek will inherit the earth. Meek means strength under control. And so God loves strong women under control. And um, I think of Ephesians 4, 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, and the reason that this is a significant scripture to me in learning submission is most of my lack of submission was in my mind. And when I read this scripture, I realized, okay, don't say anything unwholesome. Well, if I'm thinking, I'm talking to myself. And so then I'm talking to myself unwholesomely about my husband and what he's doing. And I'm putting him down. And that doesn't benefit him, and it sure doesn't benefit me. And, um, and so I have to... Um, I had to change my thinking, and I started a chant. And I, when we were learning of our, our roles, and I was learning about my heart and how I was supposed to treat Evan, I had to have a mantra. And it went like this. I've said it 4,000 times, but it really worked. Um, when I was having a critical thought, or I was like, he's so selfish, or he's so bossy, whatever it was, then I would stop myself, wait, this is not a beneficial thought. It's not building anybody up. It's a worthless thought. Okay. I am going to be a woman that glorifies God, and I will be a woman that pleases her husband. My husband is a great man. He's so smart. He's a brilliant teacher. He's a wonderful father. And I would go on and on and on, and all of a sudden I'm in love with my husband again. I'm like, wow, that's the bee's knees. So, um, and so I had to change my focus. And so now my focus, I'm actively going after being a trophy wife. And... Uh, and Proverbs 12, verse 4, it says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay to his bones. And so I'm not going after being a trophy wife so that the world can oogle in awe. I'm going after being a trophy wife for my husband that he's so happy to have me with him. He's beaming with pride when we're together, alone or with people. And, um, and so I very much go after cooking the way Evan wants me to cook, dressing the way that Evan likes, joking the way he likes, wearing my hair. I really kind of want it short, but it's long. I do like long hair, too. But anyways. Um, and I also make physical intimacy to please my husband. And he's fired up about that. Um, and, so I, <laughs> and so I do have to ask, are you the crown that your husband proudly wears as a trophy? Or are you decayed to your marriage? Um, the second thing we want to talk about, it's okay to fight, just do it right. It's okay to fight, just do it right. You know, it's funny, one of the, the, the guys in our ministry uh, had recently gotten married and uh, came up to me one day and he goes, he goes bro, I, I don't understand it. I, I'm, you know, pretty nice to a lot of people, but I, I'm the meanest person to my wife. And I don't understand how I can be nice to all these different people, but then I take out everything that I feel on my wife, and I'm so mean to her, meaner than everyone else. And he goes, what is that? And I thought about that for a second, and it kind of hit me. I go, because who you are at home is really who you are. Of course, when we leave the house, we put on a facade, and we're able to kind of fake our way through things. But, but at the end of the day, when you get home... That's who you really are. And your spouse gets to see the absolute best and worst side of you. And so sometimes it's going to lead to conflict. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What happens when two pieces of iron scrape against each other? 
Sparks. You're going to have some sparks. And so it's not unusual to have fighting in marriage. Fighting is a prequel to intimacy. If you don't have conflict, you never get to a place of intimacy in your marriage. The trick is to learn how to deal with conflict in the right way. And I was watching a, a TV show. Uh, it was on the History Channel. You might have seen it. It's called Forged in Fire. Well, Anybody ever see Forged in Fire? I want to. I got one guy. Okay, one guy in the back. And uh, really, it's, it's, a, it's a reality show where they compete against each other to make weapons. Yeah, so they're making knives and all kinds of swords and things like that. And I'd never seen how a blacksmith would make a sword, but I, I, when I saw that, I saw the brilliance of God in this concept. A blacksmith will shake the metal, he'll smash it, he'll cut it, he'll form it. Then he heats it up. Eventually he dips it in oil or water to temper it. And then it has to be sharpened. And I thought about that and go, well, that's exactly what it's like to be a disciple. God shapes you and gets you to a point where things get a little hot. Things heat up for you, which opens you up to the Word of God. You get dipped in water, which is baptism. But you're still not a finished product. It's at that point where God now has to sharpen you in your life to help you to become more and more like Jesus. You with me? And so what does God do? He he puts people in your life, uh, particularly in our case, our spouses... To sharpen us and to help us to learn who we really are so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Yeah. And so fighting's okay, but you gotta do it the right way. Yeah. Come on. Uh, for us, we've come up with some rules for fighting. Uh, but you must have the right heart when you implement these rules for fighting. Um, I think that uh, the heart that we need to have is the same heart that Paul calls the Ephesians to have in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Linda Moreno discipled me with this scripture so many times I started to hate it. I was like, ah! Um, But she would remind me, being completely humble means you take 100% responsibility. If we realize that if we don't fight, then there's no fight. Like, you can't fight with someone who won't fight with you. There cannot be a fight. We can be completely humble. We can always take responsibility in conflict. So when we have the heart, these are our rules for fighting. Number one, very important, no name calling. Even things like, you're such a jerk. You're an idiot. Nothing like that. Um, We need to have a respectful tone and respectful body language. So there's no eye rolling. I have to watch my face a lot because I'm very expressive. Everything's here. Um, This one is hard for many people. Total honesty. Complete and total honesty. Ephesians 4, verse 25 through 27 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And in your anger, do not sin. And it can be hard to hear the truth. But there should not be anything that you dislike about each other that the other person doesn't know. You need to know everything and have these talks. Um, And this can seem counterintuitive. It, It could seem like, well, I'm going to make him angry. Yeah, okay, but express yourself or you're going to feel stuffed up as a person. And um, and I, uh, for us, we had uh, a fight, I don't know, a while ago. And um, and we sat down and both of us were just like, do you want to talk? No. Do you want to talk? Well, that's why I'm here. And, okay, so what are you feeling? I don't want to talk to you. Okay, so we're not going to get anywhere. Nope. Okay. 
Um, and, and we just worked from there, and it was, well, why don't you want to talk to me? And for me, I didn't feel safe with Evan. I didn't feel emotionally safe. He's like, okay, I get that. Um, he says, I feel like you hate me. Okay. I was like, I can't say no, because um, sometimes I do. And he's like, well, can you at least tell me why? And I was like, uh, I'm very nervous about this. Let me get my journal. And so <laughs> I had written some things down. And I got to share with him how I felt. And then he was quiet. I'm like, are you going to talk? He's like, well, I feel some things. I'm like, let it go. Just let it rip. <laughs> and so he's like, well, I don't want to hurt you. I was like, that's just, the, the, why are we talking? You're the one that sat down and wanted to talk. He's like, yeah. okay. So he's like, all right. Well, I just feel like. I don't care about you, and I feel like I don't respect you. I was like, oh, okay, thanks for telling me. <laughs> Can you tell me why? Uh, and he started listing off things. I was like, wow, okay, well, that would explain why you're treating me this way. Okay. Um, but we just listened to each other. We just, and there wasn't, and I, there wasn't like, okay, well, the other person's going to change if I tell them. It's, no, we just want the truth to be out there and just let it be. Don't try to change each other. So total honesty. Um, number four, no divorce. We do not say the word divorce. It's not in our vocabulary. We don't joke about it. We don't threaten each other. And along with that, number four also includes no other threats. Well, if you do this, I'm leaving with the kids and um, whatever. Um, number five, obviously no physical acts of aggression, no throwing things, no slamming doors. Don't get violent, people. Um, number six, no interrupting or cutting each other off. Listen respectfully. Um, number seven, try to understand where the person is coming from. Don't jump to conclusions. Just because their thinking pattern isn't the same as yours doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't valid. Um, I think of James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In fighting, you have to be a good listener, even though everything in you says you don't want to be. Number eight, don't assume their motives by saying you're not trying or you don't want to. You don't know that. You're not in their head, and they're not in your head. So don't assume motives. Always, always apologize for your sin. Remember, be completely humble. Always apologize for your sin. But number 10 is never apologize insincerely. Don't apologize if you don't mean it. There's been many times in our fights where Evan will, he's so humble. Um, he'll be humble, and I'm like, I'm not ready to apologize. If I said it, it'd be fake. He's like, that's fine, babe. Take your time. I'm like, so, but then I go and pray, have some time with God because God is my great reward. And I can come back and I can sincerely apologize. But I appreciate that Evan does not demand an apology from me. He lets me go, take my time to humble myself and trust that if I don't, God will. And then I'll come back with a humble, sincere apology. Um, and so it's not important to be right while you're fighting. It's important to be righteous when you're fighting. Yes. Come on. I think one of the things that, that helps us when we're fighting is if, if our spouse doesn't follow the rules of fighting, um, either one of us can get up and say, hey, you know what, let's, let's, let's do this another time. Uh, we're obviously not ready to have this conversation right now. Yeah. And so it puts the pressure on us to follow the rules. Yeah. You've got to have good boundaries. Uh, number three, the purpose of marriage, learn to appreciate differences. Mm -hmm. Learn to appreciate differences. Come on, bro. We're, we're different people. Women or men are completely different. Yeah. You know, my, my dad told me a story when I was a kid about a guy who was walking along the beach and he, he tripped over a, a little lamp. And all of a sudden, this genie popped out of the lamp. 
he had been there for a long time, and so he was kind of angry and a little gruff. He oh, woke me up. I was sleeping. I was having a really good sleep. You don't get three wishes. You get one wish, and that's it. God goes, okay, well, I've always thought it would be awesome for there to be a bridge from California to Hawaii. Because then we can just drive on vacation, and we don't have to take flights, and it'd be great. He goes, are you kidding me? Do you know how much work that is to build a bridge from California to Hawaii? I've got to put gas stations along the way. I've got to dig footings in the, the ocean and build up all this concrete. And You're crazy. Pick something else. This guy goes, okay, well, you know, I've always wanted to understand the mind of a woman. The genie looks back at the guy and says, do you want that bridge two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> bottom line is that we're very different. Very different. An author by the name of John Maxwell wrote about the differences between men and women in this way. A man will pay $2 for a $1 item that he wants. A woman will pay $1 for a $2 item that she doesn't want. A woman worries about the future until she gets a husband. A man never worries about the future until he gets a wife. <laughs> a successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. A successful woman is one who can find such a man. <laughs> to be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and try not to understand her at all. <laughs> Married men lo live longer than single men, but married men are more willing to die. <laughs> A married man should forget his mistakes. There's no use in two people remembering the same things. <laughs> A woman marries a man expecting that he'll change, but he doesn't. A man marries a woman expecting that she won't change, but she does. <laughs> a woman has the last word in any argument, because anything a man says after that point is just the beginning of a new argument. <laughs> and number nine, there are two times when a man doesn't understand a woman. Before he gets married and after he gets married. <laughs> Men and women are different. Look over in Genesis chapter 3. Come on, bro. Go ahead. Genesis chapter 3. Once again, the same scripture. God is giving the discipline out or, or the curse to Eve for her sin. And God says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over, over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you've returned to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. You know, it's interesting right here. As God curses the woman, the curse revolves around family. 
she has a desire for a husband, and through painful child, painful toil, she's going to produce children, or pains in childbirth. The curse for the man is all about work. He's got to go and produce the harvest. Through painful labor, he's going to produce fruit from the land. And it's very interesting, but in our experience with married couples, this is always the dynamic. The woman cares a, cares a lot about family, and the guy cares a lot about work. In fact, one of the most common fights we hear is the, the woman will say, can you spend more time with the family? You're, you're working too much. And then the man will say, honey, I don't have a choice. Somebody's got to pay the bills. How many of us have had that conversation once or twice? We're, we're, it's built inside, it's ingrained inside of us, I think, from this very point right here, where, where God has made us care about different things. Our, our value systems are different. Men value productivity. We want to be active. We want to be productive. We want to see things happen. Whereas women, they care more about quality time with family. And so you always have these two different dynamics pulling at each other in almost every single marriage. Uh, I remember there was one point uh, with us where we had been fighting over this exact issue. And uh, I, I hadn't been spending a lot of time with the family. I had two young kids at that point, and uh, we hadn't had family times. We hadn't had any fun times together. And, and Kelly was coming to me, and she was saying, hey, babe, I need you to spend more time with the family. I feel like you're just not committed to our family. And I would look back at my wife, and I'd go, well, babe, you don't understand. Everybody's asking me to do all this stuff. I've got ministry coming at me. I've got all these different things. I'm in charge of this. I'm in charge of that. I'm in charge of this, and I'm in charge of that. I don't know how to do all this stuff and spend time with my family. Yeah. And so we're, we're at a discipling time, and we had several other leadership couples around. And, and uh, one of the things that's so great about the kingdom is that we have couples who've been there and done that. Yeah. And one of the couples that was there at our D time had been in the ministry for 20 plus years uh, and almost allowed the ministry to uh, get them to, to divorce. I mean, it had really hurt their family. And one of the things that the wife shared with me is she said, Evan, you say yes to everyone else, but when it comes to Kelly, you say no. Come on, help us out. And although, although I, I, in my heart of hearts, wanted to take care of Kelly and the family, I allowed all these other pressures to steal my time away from them, and it really came back to hurt them. And I think for us as guys, we've got to be careful that we understand the value system that our wives have, and that we devote our time to, to making sure that our wives and families are taken care of. Yeah. Uh, for a, a long time, I also struggled with our differences. Evan and I are polar, 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 polar opposites. We're not even in the same universe. We're like so far apart. Um, and I, I felt really, really envious um, of Evan, um, and I became very deeply insecure and um, very negative because Evan is very productive. He's very prepared. His whole life is organized. He organizes everything. He's so good at cleaning. Like it's like whatever he touches, nothing fails. He's amazing. He's the hardest working man I know. He's fantastic to look at. Um, he's a wonderful dad. Like he he has. It's it's like he can't. There's nothing he can fail at. And I'm like, man, I can never measure up. And so I was constantly comparing myself to Evan, and it really, really hurt my heart. Um, and so I felt like my place for life was just going to be an Evan's shadow. I'm like, great, awesome, I have a great husband, but there's, why? Like, we don't spend time together, there's nothing here. And we're fighting. But I realized, um, 
I promise this is on topic. Did anybody grow up around horses? Anybody? Okay. So, uh, in the racehorse community, there, um, when you have a very high-strung horse, they need a companion animal to keep their anxiety down. And so, um, they're very, they're winners, they're competitors, they're driven, they're hardworking. Um, they're, these horses are unbelievable. They are going to win. They're gonna win that race, and they will. They have the killer instinct inside of them, and that's who I married. He's a winner. He's like everything. Um, and so for these racehorses, they have um, a companion animal to keep their anxiety down, to help this animal relax and enjoy life. And um, and so I was like, wow, I have a purpose. I'm the companion animal. <laughs> um, and so Evan is a winner. He's competitive. He's highly driven. He's hardworking. He's critical. He strategizes. It blows my mind. And, um, and so I know that my role is to be happy, to alleviate the anxiety of his life. When he comes home, he wants, hey, baby, how are you? Oh, I made you something good. Or whatever it is. Or like, hey, baby, meet you in the bedroom in 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> But, um, but I need to be happy and lighthearted. I need to love fun, be positive, and be free-spirited. That's what he needs in his life. I'm like, I get to be me, and it's got a purpose? Okay. And, um, and so um, I, I just really love how we work together and how we need each other. Um, but with my, like, the things that I'm weak at with, I'm a free spirit, so organization is not my thing. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm trying to repent wholeheartedly. Um, I'm working on it for a long time. Um, and so I get overwhelmed really easy. And so this one time we were, um, we're moving from Hilo to Honolulu. And so trying to move over a body of water is very difficult. And so we're looking at our house, and Evan goes to work, and he's like, Babe, I need you to pack this entire living room and kitchen. I was like, oh yeah, no problem. That's like six hours. Of course I can do that. He comes home. I had packed one box and I'd spent two hours cleaning a toaster. <laughs> He's like, babe, what did you do all day? <laughs> I was like, well, the toaster was going to get all over everything. He's like, who cleaned a toaster? <laughs> I was like, what? So anyways, he helps me stay focused and stay grounded and like actually do something productive. <laughs> Um, and, it's, and it's amazing just how I've grown in, um, in our relationship, but it's amazing how I've helped him to grow as well. And, uh, and so I, I realized that, that our differences is what makes us a really perfect team because um, we're not threatened by each other, and we, help, we very much help each other grow. Um, I'm grateful that there's so much t trust and respect in our relationship. We can help each other and have great conversations about parenting. We can talk about intimacy openly, what we like, what we don't like. Um, we can talk about feelings. I love talking about feelings. Um, but we can really talk about anything, and that's because we're very secure and that we love each other's differences and really respect each other, and that makes a, a harmonious relationship. Right, first, fourth and last thing that we'll talk about is that your marriage won't last forever, so have a blast together. Your marriage won't last forever, so have a blast together. Let's look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I know that some people are wondering, where is this going? I thought the whole point of us getting together is so that our marriage will last forever. Matthew 22, in verse 29. Jesus replied, you are an heir because you do not know the scriptures 
or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read about what God said to you? The point right here is that marriage is something that God has created simply for this life. We, we don't get to be married in heaven. And I know it's shocking. You just can't imagine life without your spouse. But we, we don't get to be married in heaven. God has allowed us to be married only for this time that we're on earth. Look over in Genesis 29. It is interesting when you, when you really think about the fact that our marriage, no matter how good it is, is temporary. In some ways, it helps you to appreciate the fact that God has given us this time on earth to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have fun. Your marriage has to have a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And if you're not having fun, then you need to work on some things. You know what I mean? In Genesis 29, verse 16, I think this is what it all comes down to. It says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, which is the biblical way of saying that she wasn't very good looking. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because... Of his love for her. And I think at the end of the day, marriage marriage is incredible. It's awesome. It does require a lot of work, but it really comes back down to, do you really love your spouse? Because no matter how much work it requires to make your marriage awesome, to make it fun, when you really just love each other, it's only going to seem like a little tiny bit. Compared to all the fun that you get to have. And I've been blessed because my wife really likes to have fun. I do. I like to work. When she talks to me about fun, I think that she's talking about work. <laughs> All right, we're going to work. She goes, no, we're going to have fun. I said, no, we're going to work. She goes, no, we're going to have fun. And uh, it's great because she, she really pushes me to have a lot of fun with the family, and, and we have a lot of great times. Uh, I know that she'll share about a few of them, but uh, you've got to have fun in your relationship. Come on, come on. Um, I believe that a fun marriage comes from a grateful, joyful heart. When we're grateful, when we... Even just life in general, not about our spouse, but when we're just grateful for all the things around us, it's so easy to have fun. It's so easy to be filled with joy when we're filled with gratitude. Um, I, Evan and I, uh, well, yes, I love fun. Um, and Evan and I laugh a lot. We laugh so much. Our household is filled with so much laughter. It's very hard to be serious in our house. And we have two kids and then three girls living with us. And so our house is very light and very cheerful. Um, there's a quote that I really love. There is no boredom, only boring people. <laughs> and so why wouldn't you want to have fun with your husband if you constantly appreciate and adore him? And so it starts there. We, our fun with our husband starts with being grateful for him and appreciating him. Trust me, he'll want to have fun with you if you appreciate him. Um, and so if we're constantly focused on what's not right, then it robs our joy. We cannot, you can't be joyful and critical at the same time. They can't live in the same heart. 
And so pressure, when we're critical, we put pressure on our husbands, and it just pushes them away. If we're putting pressure on our husbands, you need to plan a date. You need to plan time together. You need to plan um, how to be romantic. You need to treat me this way. You need to do this with the kids. When there's that pressure, he will, he will be pushed away. Absolutely. And, um, and so, but if you're content with your circumstances and a fun person, if you praise him and have spicy time in the bedroom, trust me, he'll want to hang out with you. It'll be fun. Um, and so, um, remember that Jesus gives you the spirit that brings life. And so, wives, I do have to ask this question. Is your sex life full of life or is it sex dead? So wives, is your sex life full of life? Weeze, I said. Come here, baby. So handsome. Um, or is it sex dead? Um, and remember, Jesus wants you and your husband to have a sex life and have it to the full. <laughs> um, and so I got a couple challenges for the ladies. Challenge yourself to never say no to when your husband initiates or hints at sex. Don't say no. Just go for it. <laughs> and my challenge also is for yourself to never go three days without in, uh, initiating spicy time with your husband. Um, men have a three-day cycle, and so they need to have some fun. Don't let it go without three days. You should be doing it more than that, but, you know. And having fun with it. Have fun. We have lots of fun. Um, and so um, I really believe that if we are appreciating our husbands, respecting our husbands, full of joy, things are fantastic in the bedroom, trust me, he'll want to spend time with you. He'll be craving for you, looking for you. Hey, you want to hang out? Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, things are funner when our clothes are off. So, um, but fun comes, we should have fun in success and failure. It's really important to have sex, uh, success. <laughs> it's really important to have fun in success and failure. And so when the failure comes, have fun with it. Evan and I, oh my gosh, okay, so this last Christmas <laughs> <laughs> this last Christmas service. So it's our first Christmas service in Toronto. We're like, we got to make this awesome. It's a push service. We can get people there. And so we have um, a quartet singing. We have a video. We have a photo booth. Evan's going to preach this awesome lesson. And <laughs> was a disaster from beginning to so bad. I was in the quartet. Oh, we'll never sing that song again. Um, <laughs> and then Evan's lesson. <laughs> Evan's an awesome preacher. That was like the dive of all dives. It's like, what are you doing? He kept making up examples and then examples that didn't make sense. <laughs> what are you doing? And then the video wouldn't show because the room was too lighted, so it was just sound. Everybody's just... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so we get in the car after church and we just look at each other and we just burst into laughter. <laughs> the most horrible thing. And to this day we still tease each other that the best part of the 
whole service was Jake's communion and the podium, the podium was beautiful. <laughs> 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 but you gotta laugh and failure too. You gotta have those good times. Um, and so um, it's very important to have fun in the grind. Um, Evan and I go out for wings and beer. He loves beer. I like beer too. But um, we just go out. It really encourages him, and so it's just fun. Uh, I, I like coffee. Um, I like coffee houses, so we go to coffee houses. Um, we have our weekly family time with our household and our kids. And our family time is crazy. We yell at the beginning of it. We have this little chant. It's family time. It's family time. It's family time. Like, and we go on and on and on for probably about three minutes getting crazy. And our kids love it. And then we do silly songs. And it's awesome. Um, Evan and I also wrestle and poke each other constantly. We're just constantly wrestling. We're behaving ourselves right now. Stop it. So, um, but we also have fun and intimacy. We play games. We keep it lighthearted. Usually, uh, when we go, we're hanging out. You know, sex is going to happen. But I just have to make a joke out of everything. Like, I'm laughing at everything. And so, even our intimacy is lighthearted and fun. Um, Evan especially loves to make me blush. He asks me these invasive questions about sex. And I'm like squirming in my seat and so <laughs> answer the question babe I'm like <laughs> but I secretly like it because he thinks it's cute so <laughs> um, but I really believe that fun comes from a grateful and joyful heart yeah. uh, as we close uh, happiness comes from God not your spouse okay to fight just do it right Learn to appreciate differences. Your marriage won't last forever, so have a blast together. You take the first letter of all the points, it spells holy. Oh, look at that. What is the purpose of marriage? The blueprint. It's not to make you happy. It's for you to become holy. Mm -hmm. Guys, let's have awesome marriages. We love you guys. God bless you.